Section three of the Dream of the Red Chamber, Book two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sylvie Roth. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book two by Cao Shui Qin. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie. Chapter Twenty Six, Part One. On the Feng Yao Bridge, Xiao Hong makes known sentimental matters in equivocal language. In the Xiaoxiang Lodge, Tai Yu gives, while under the effects of the spring lassitude, expression to her secret feelings. After thirty days' careful nursing. Bao Yu, we will now notice, not only got strong and hale in body, but the scars even on his face completely healed up, so he was able to shift his quarters again into the garden of Broad Vista. But we will banish this topic, as it does not deserve any additional explanations. Let us now turn our attention elsewhere. During the time that Bao Yu was of late laid up in bed, Jia Yun, along with the young pages of the household, sat up on watch to keep an eye over him, and both day and night they tarried on this side of the mansion. But Xiao Hong, as well as all the other waiting maids, remained in the same part to nurse Bao Yu, so Jia Yun and she saw a good deal of each other on several occasions, and gradually an intimacy sprung up between them. Xiao Hong observed that Jia Yun held in his hand a handkerchief very much like the one she herself had dropped some time ago, and was bent upon asking him for it, but she did on the other hand not think she could do so with propriety. The unexpected visit of the bonds and Taoist priest rendered, however, superfluous the services of the various male attendants, and Jia Yun had therefore to go again and oversee the men planting the trees. Now she had a mind to drop the whole question, but she could not reconcile herself to it, and now she longed to go and ask him about it. But fears rose in her mind, lest people should entertain any suspicions as to the relations that existed between them. But just as she faltered, quite irresolute, and her heart was thoroughly unsettled, she unawares heard someone outside inquire, "'Sister, are you in the room or not?' Xiao Hong, upon catching this question, looked out through a hole in the window, and perceiving at a glance that it was no one else than a young servant girl, attached to the same court as herself, Jia Hui by name, she consequently said, by way of reply, Yes, I am, come in. When these words reached her ear, Jia Hui ran in, and taking at once a seat on the bed, she observed with a smile, How lucky I've been! I was a little time back in the court washing a few things, when Bao Yu cried out that some tea should be sent over to Miss Lin, and Sister Hua handed it to me to go on the errand. By a strange coincidence, our old lady had presented some money to Miss Lin, and she was engaged at the moment in distributing it among the servant girls. As soon, therefore, as she saw me get there, Miss Lin forthwith grasped two handfuls of cash and gave them to me. How many there are I don't know, but do keep them for me. Speedily then opening her handkerchief, she emptied the cash. Xiao Hong counted them for her by fives and tens at a time. She was beginning to put it away, when Zhao Hui remarked, 
How are you, after all, feeling of late in your mind? I'll tell you what, you should really go and stay at home for a couple of days. And were you to ask a doctor round and to have a few doses of medicine, you'll get all right at once. What are you talking about? Xiao Hong replied. What shall I go home for, when there's neither rhyme nor reason for it? Miss Lin, I remember, is naturally of a weak physique, and has constantly to take medicines, Zhao Hui added. So were you to ask her for some and bring them over and take them, it would come to the same thing. Nonsense, rejoined Xiao Hong. Are medicines also to be recklessly taken? You can't go on forever like this, continued Zhao Hui. You're besides loath to eat and loath to drink, and what will you be like in the long run? What's there to fear? observed Xiao Hong. Won't it anyhow be better to die a little earlier? It would be a riddance. Why do you deliberately come out with all this talk? Zhao Hui demurred. How could you ever know anything of the secrets of my heart? Xiao Hong inquired. Zhao Hui nodded her head and gave way to reflection. I don't think it's strange on your part, she said after a time, for it is really difficult to abide in this place. Yesterday, for instance, our dowager lady remarked that the servants in attendance had had, during all the days that Bao Yu was ill, a good deal to put up with, and that now that he has recovered, incense should be burnt everywhere and the vows fulfilled, and she expressed a wish that those in his service should, one and all, be rewarded according to their grade. I and several others can be safely looked upon as young in years, and unworthy to presume so high, so I don't feel in any way aggrieved, but how is it that one like you couldn't be included in the number? My heart is much annoyed at it. Had there been any fear that Shi Zhen would have got ten times more, I could not even then have felt sore against her, for she really deserves it. I'll just tell you an honest truth. Who else is there like her? not to speak of the diligence and carefulness she has displayed all along. Even had she not been so diligent and careful, she couldn't have been set aside. But what is provoking is that that lot, like Ching Wen and Qi Xia, should have been included in the upper class. Yet it's because everyone places such reliance on the fine reputation of their father and mother that they exalt them. Now do tell me, is this sufficient to anger one or not? It won't do to be angry with them, Xiao Hong observed. The proverb says, You may erect a shed a thousand li long, but there is no entertainment from which the guests will not disperse. And who is it that will tarry here for a whole lifetime? In another three years or five years, every single one of us will have gone her own way. And who will, when that time comes, worry her mind about anyone else? These allusions had the unexpected effect of touching Jia Hui to the heart, and in spite of herself, the very balls of her eyes got red. But so uneasy did she feel at crying for no reason that she had to exert herself to force a smile. What you say is true, she ventured, and yet Bao Yu even yesterday explained how the rooms should be arranged by and by and how the clothes should be made, just as if he was bound to hang on to dear life for several hundreds of years. Xiao Hong, at these words, gave a couple of sardonic smiles. But when about to pass some remark, she perceived a youthful servant girl, who had not as yet let her hair grow, walk in, 
holding in her hands several patterns and two sheets of paper. "'You are asked,' she said, "'to trace these two designs.' As she spoke, she threw them at Xiao Hong, and twisting herself round, she immediately scampered away. "'Whose are they, after all?' Xiao Hong inquired, addressing herself outside. "'Couldn't you wait even so much as to conclude what you had to say, but flew off at once?' "'Who is steaming bread and waiting for you? "'Or are you afraid, forsooth, lest it should get cold?' "'They belong to Sister Chi,' the young servant girl merely returned for answer from outside the window, and raising her feet high she ran tramp-tramp on her way back again. Xiao Hong lost control over her temper, and snatching the designs she flung them on one side. She then rummaged in a drawer for a pencil, but finding, after a prolonged search, that they were all blunt, "'Where did I?' she thereupon ejaculated, "'put that brand new pencil the other day. "'How is it I can't remember where it is?' While she soliloquized, she became wrapped in thought. After some reflection, she at length gave a smile. "'Of course!' she exclaimed. "'The other evening Ingar took it away. "'And turning towards Jiahui, "'Fetch it for me,' she shouted. "'Sister Hua,' Jiahui rejoined, "'is waiting for me to get a box for her, "'so you had better go for it yourself.' "'What?' remarked Xiao Hong. "'She's waiting for you, "'and you are still squatting here, chatting leisurely? "'Hadn't it been that I asked you to go and fetch it, "'she too wouldn't have been waiting for you, "'you most perverse vixen.' "'With these words on her lips, "'she herself walked out of the room,' and leaving the Ihong court, she straightway proceeded in the direction of Bao Chai's court. As soon, however, as she reached the Xinfang pavilion, she saw Dame Li, Bao Yu's nurse, appear in view from the opposite side. So Xiao Hong halted, and putting on a smile, Nurse Li, she asked, where are you, old dame, bound for? How is it you're coming this way? Nurse Li stopped short and clapped her hands. "'Tell me,' she said, "'has he deliberately again gone and fallen in love "'with that Mr. Something or other like Yun, Cloud, or you, Rain? "'They now insist upon my bringing him inside, "'but if they get wind of it by and by in the upper rooms, "'it won't again be a nice thing.' "'Are you, old lady,' replied Xiao Hong, smiling, "'taking things in such real earnest "'that you readily believe them and want to go and ask him in here?' "'What can I do?' rejoined Nurse Li. "'Why, that fellow,' added Xiao Hong laughingly, "'will, if he has any idea of decency, do the right thing and not come.' "'Besides, he's not a fool,' pleaded Nurse Li. "'So why shouldn't he come in?' "'Well, if he is to come,' answered Xiao Hong, "'it will devolve upon you, worthy dame, to lead him along with you.' For were you, by and by, to let him penetrate inside all alone and knock recklessly about, why, it won't do at all. Have I got all that leisure, retorted Nurse Lee, to trudge along with him? I'll simply tell him to come, and later on I can dispatch a young servant girl or some old woman to bring him in and have done. Saying this, she continued her way, leaning on her staff. After listening to her rejoinder, Xiao Hong stood still, 
and plunging in abstraction she did not go and fetch the pencil but presently she caught sight of a servant girl running her way espying xiao hong lingering on that spot sister hong she cried what are you doing in here xiao hong raised her head and recognized a young waiting maid called Juear. where are you off to xiao hong asked i've been told to bring in master secundus mr yun Juear replied after which answer she there and then departed with all speed xiao hong reached meanwhile the feng yao bridge as soon as she approached the gateway she perceived juear coming along with jia yun from the opposite direction while advancing jia yun ogled xiao hong and xiao hong too though pretending to be addressing herself to juear cast a glance at jia yun and their four eyes as luck would have it met xiao hong involuntarily blushed all over and turning herself round she walked off towards the hangwu court but we will leave her there without further remarks during this time jiao yun followed juear by a circuitous way into the ihong court juear entered first and made the necessary announcement then subsequently she ushered in jiao yun when jiao yun scrutinized the surroundings he perceived here and there in the court several blocks of rockery among which were planted banana trees on the opposite side were two storks preening their feathers under the fir trees under the covered passage were suspended in a row cages of every description containing all sorts of fairy-like rare birds in the upper part were five diminutive anterooms uniformly carved with unique designs and above the framework of the door was hung a tablet with the inscription in four huge characters yi hong kuai lu the happy red and joyful green i thought it strange jia yun argued mentally that it should be called the yi hong court but are these in fact the four characters inscribed on the tablet but while he was communing within himself he heard someone laugh and then exclaim from the inner side of the gauze window come in at once how is it that i've forgotten you these two or three months as soon as zhao yun recognized bao yu's voice he entered the room with hurried step on raising his head his eye was attracted by the brilliant splendor emitted by gold and jade and by the dazzling lustre of the elegant arrangements he failed however to detect where bao yu was ensconced the moment he turned his head round he espied on the left side a large cheval glass behind which appeared to view standing side by side two servant girls of fifteen or sixteen years of age master secundus they ventured please take a seat in the inner room jia yun could not even muster courage to look at them straight in the face but promptly assenting he walked into a green gauze mosquito house where he saw a small lacquered bed hung with curtains of a deep red colour with clusters of flowers embroidered in gold bao yu wearing a house-dress and slipshod shoes was reclining on the bed a book in hand the moment he perceived jia yun walk in he discarded his book and forthwith smiled and raised himself up jia yun hurriedly pressed forward and paid his salutation Bao Yu then offered him a seat, but he simply chose a chair in the lower part of the apartment. 
"'Ever since the moon in which I came across you,' Bao Yu observed smilingly, "'and told you to come into the library, I've had, who would have thought it, "'endless things to continuously attend to so that I forgot all about you.' "'It's I, indeed, who lacked good fortune,' rejoined Jia Yun with a laugh, "'particularly so, as it happened again that you, uncle, fell ill. "'But are you quite right once more?' "'All right,' answered Bao Yu. I heard that you've been put to much trouble and inconvenience on a good number of days. Had I even had any trouble to bear, added Jiayun, it would have been my duty to bear it. But your complete recovery, uncle, is really a blessing to our whole family. As he spoke, he discerned a couple of servant maids come to help him to a cup of tea. But while conversing with Bao Yu, Jia Yun was intent upon scrutinizing the girl with slim figure, an oval face, and clad in a silvery red jacket, a blue satin waistcoat, and a white silk petticoat with narrow pleats. At the time of Bao Yu's illness, Jia Yun had spent a couple of days in the inner apartments, so that he remembered half of the inmates of note, and the moment he set eyes upon this servant girl, he knew it was Shi Zhen and that she was in Bao Yu's rooms on a different standing to the rest. Now, therefore, that she brought the tea in herself, and that Bao Yu was, besides, sitting by, he rose to his feet with alacrity and put on a smile. Sister, he said, how is it that you are pouring tea for me? I came here to pay uncle a visit. What's more, I'm no stranger, so let me pour it with my own hands. Just you sit down and finish, Bao Yu interposed. Will you also behave in this fashion with servant girls? In spite of what you say, remarked Jia Yun, smiling, they are young ladies attached to your rooms, uncle, and how could I presume to be disorderly in my conduct? So saying, he took a seat and drank his tea. Bao Yu then talked to him about trivial and irrelevant matters, and afterwards went on to tell him in whose household the actresses were best, and whose gardens were pretty. He further mentioned to him in whose quarters the servant girls were handsome, whose banquets were sumptuous, as well as in whose home were to be found strange things and what family possessed remarkable objects. Jia Yun was constrained to humor him in this conversation, but after a chat which lasted for some time, he noticed that Bao Yu was somewhat listless, and he promptly stood up and took his leave. But Bao Yu too did not use too much pressure to detain him. Tomorrow. If you have nothing to do, do come over, he merely observed, after which he again bade the young waiting maid, Jueyar, see him out. Having left the Ihong court, Jia Yun cast a glance all round, and realizing that there was no one about, he slackened his pace at once, and while proceeding leisurely, he conversed in a friendly way with Jueyar on one thing and another. First and foremost, he inquired of her what was her age and her name. Of what standing are your father and mother, he said. How many years have you been in Uncle Bao's apartments? How much money do you get a month? In all, how many girls are there in Uncle Bao's rooms? As Jueyar heard the question set to her, she readily made suitable reply to each. The one who was a while back talking to you, continued Jia Yuan, is called Xiao Hong, isn't she? Yes, her name is Xiao Hong, replied Jueyar, smiling. But why do you ask about her? She inquired of you just now about some handkerchief or other, answered Jiayuan. 
Well, I've picked one up. J.R. greeted this response with a smile. Many are the times, she said, that she has asked me whether I had seen her handkerchief. But have I got all that leisure to worry my mind about such things? She spoke to me about it again today, and she suggested that I should find it for her, and that she would also recompense me. This she told me when we were just now at the entrance of the Hungu court, and you too, Mr. Secundus, overheard her, so that I'm not lying. But, dear Mr. Secundus, since you've picked it up, give it to me, do, and I'll see what she will give me as a reward. The truth is that Zhao Yun had, the previous moon when he had come into the garden to attend to the planting of trees, picked up a handkerchief which he conjectured must have been dropped by some inmate of those grounds. But, as he was not aware whose it was, he did not consequently presume to act with indiscretion. But on this occasion he overheard Xiao Hong make inquiry of Juear on the subject, and concluding that it must belong to her, he felt immeasurably delighted. Seeing besides how importunate Juear was, he at once devised a plan within himself, and vehemently producing from his sleeve a handkerchief of his own, he observed, as he turned towards Juear with a smile, "'As for giving it to you, I'll do so, but in the event of your obtaining any present from her, you mustn't impose on me.' Juear assented to his proposal most profusely, and taking the handkerchief, she saw Zhao Yun out, and then came back in search of Xiao Hong. But we will leave her there for the present. We will now return to Bao Yu. After dismissing Zhao Yun, he laid in such complete listlessness on the bed that he betrayed every sign of being half asleep. Shi Ren walked up to him and seated herself on the edge of the bed, and pushing him, what are you about to go to sleep again, she said. Would it not do your languid spirits good if you went out for a bit of a stroll? Upon hearing her voice, Bao Yu grasped her hand in his. I would like to go out, he smiled. But I can't reconcile myself to the separation from you. Get up at once, laughed Shi Ren. And as she uttered these words, she pulled Bao Yu up. Where can I go? exclaimed Bao Yu. I'm quite surfeited with everything. Once out, you'll be all right, Shi Ren answered. But if you simply give way to this languor, you'll be more than ever sick of everything at heart. Bao Yu could not do otherwise, dull and out of sorts though he was, than accede to her importunities. Strolling leisurely out of the door of the room, he amused himself a little with the birds suspended under the veranda. Then he wended his steps outside the court and followed the course of the Xinfang stream. But after admiring the golden fish for a time, he espied, on the opposite hillock, two young deer come rushing down as swift as an arrow. What they were up to Bao Yu could not discern, but while abandoning himself to melancholy, he caught sight of Zhao Lan, following behind, with a small bow in his hand, and hurrying downhill in pursuit of them. As soon as he realized that Bao Yu stood ahead of him, he speedily halted. "'Uncle Secundus!' he smiled. Are you at home? I imagined you had gone out of doors. You were up to mischief again, eh? Bao Yu rejoined. They've done nothing to you, and why shoot at them with your arrows? I had no studies to attend to just now, so, being free with nothing to do, Jalan replied laughingly, I was practicing riding and archery. Shut up, exclaimed Bao Yu. When are you not engaged in practicing? 
End of section three. Recording by Sylvie Roth.